I'm excited for Jeremy and Rachel. Um, I've heard so far that they've had a great trip, but I'm excited to hear about it and glad that they get to travel. Um, so uh, I get to share with you guys today, and we're going to be just kind of continuing and wrapping up, actually, our series in Christ that we've been talking about um, over the last couple months, really. Um, I know uh, we've been really in Colossians since we started the church. Um, we should be out of Colossians around 2025 or something like that. Um, <laughs> Jeremy might listen to this later, and he's going to laugh, um, but we all know it's true. Um, we can talk about that later, Jeremy. Anyway, um, really, we've walk, been walking through Colossians, and in this In Christ series, we've been really focusing in on Colossians 2, 6 through 15, and this is a crucial text in the book of Colossians that gives us really an incredible picture of what it means to be in Christ and the union that we have with Jesus uh, because of what Christ has done for us and all that we have in him. Um, we've really continually drilled into and walked through all these different aspects of being in Christ over the last several weeks and what it means uh, for us. And today we're going to finish that up and wrap up the series by doing a bit of a kind of recap and culminating on what we've talked about. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read the entirety of the Colossians 2, 6 through 15 that we've been walking through, um, and then we'll pray and uh, we'll dive in. So uh, if you want to turn to Colossians 2, um, or it should be up on the screen as well. Colossians 2, 6 through 15. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, and he put to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Let's pray. God, uh, God, we just thank you for today. Um, I thank you for the opportunity to open your word, God, um, and pray that we would just um, really, that would be what this time is all about. It's just us opening uh, your word and hearing from you. Um, God, I pray that you would move me out of the way and just allow yourself to be the one who speaks to our hearts and our minds um, help us to see and know who you are and all that we have in you, God. God, I just thank you um, again for this time. Um, thank you for uh, Jeremy and Rachel, and I thank you for just, uh, the time that they get to get away and pray that you would just continue to refresh them as they are away. Um, and we just thank you again for today, um, God. Speak to our hearts and to our minds. Um, give us a, a picture of, of who you are and all that we have in you because of what you've done for us and because of who Jesus is and all that we have, have in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we walk through this passage, um, that was a long passage to read. We've kind of talked a lot about it, a lot of different things, and just kind of give a quick overview of some of the things we've talked about or seen in this passage. Uh, we've talked about that we've been rooted and built up in Christ, that we walk in Christ. We are filled in Christ. We are circumcised in Christ, being set apart in him. We are baptized in Christ, that we are being buried with him, but that we are raised in him. We are alive in Christ. We are forgiven in Christ, and we are triumphant in Christ. We have all of these things in Christ because of what he has done for us and what he is doing in us and through us. All of this we've talked about and examined and dug into deeper and exploring kind of other texts and passages and looking at one of these things, maybe one by one or, or two, two of them at a time. And I would contend that 
what all we have in Christ and all that we've talked about over these last two months, really, can be summed up and culminated in the following, that we have everything in Christ, that everything that we need, hope for, or desire, we have in Christ. Jeremy mentioned this in the first week of the series, talking about how we as a people are rooted and built up in Christ, and out of this are we called to walk in him. That simply put, to the Christian, Jesus is everything. That as a Christian, we are rooted in Christ, built up in Christ, and walk in Christ, that our whole life is to be in Christ. And as we wrap up and reflect on all that we've talked about over this series and who we are in Christ, I want to talk about how we have everything in Christ. So I want to start by just asking some questions. Is, is do, do you believe that today, that we have everything in Christ? Um, do we believe that today? And it's not just a, do we know this? Can we say this? Can we repeat that? Um, but do we truly believe this? Do we feel this? Do we live our lives in this way? We have everything we need in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that today? And this is absolutely true. There's no if and or buts about it. We have everything in Jesus. That's the truth. And that's amazingly what God presents to us in this passage and some of the passages we'll look at today is that we have everything we could ever need, hope for, or desire in Christ. Uh, in the past, uh, I, I got to lead a children's ministry in a church. And a common joke in children's ministry and Sunday school settings is that the answer is always Jesus. Like if someone asks questions, just say, Jesus, you're going to be right. Um, and obviously that's kind of a joke and you can laugh about it. Like, you know, who killed Goliath? And if you ask that question to kids, it's hilarious because some kid will always go, Jesus. Um, and we know the answer is David. But, but by whose strength and power did David kill Goliath? <laughs> Jesus? I don't know. I don't know. It's always Jesus. It's always Jesus. Um, and it's funny, but it's also true. Um, David really is a representation or a type um, of Christ. Um, and Christ is truly the greater David. For David took down a giant uh, who was ruling and uh, overwhelming and taking advantage of God's people. And Jesus, in a similar manner, but in a much greater manner, overcame the giant that was sin and death, the giant that had ruled and enslaved and taken advantage of God's people since Adam and Eve. Um, Jesus overcame him and took down that giant that, overcame, that was over our lives and that enslaved us, um, conquering both sin and death. Everything in Scripture ultimately points to Jesus. One of the most amazing Bibles made for children is called the Jesus Storybook Bible, um, which if you have a family, if you don't have a family, it's a really good Bible. I would recommend it. Nikki, you and Mackenzie should read the Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, I truly believe that. It's a really cool, amazing Bible. Um, but what it does is it tells stories. It starts in the Old Testament. Uh, I think there's 52 stories or something like that. Um, and it starts in the Old Testament. It walks through the story of the Bible. And every story talks all about how ultimately that story is actually a story about Jesus. And this uh, children's Bible has a subtitle to it. Um, which is really, I think, a good subtitle for all of Scripture, and it's that every story whispers his name. That ultimately the Bible is all a story about Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us. It's all about Jesus. It is only in and through Jesus that we have hope and that we have a way in this life. Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In Christ we truly have all that we need. We become who we are meant to be, and we are given new life. We have everything in Christ. And that's probably easier to say um, that we have everything and just kind of check that box or be able to say that. But like knowing that and believing that really takes an idea of, okay, so what does that look like practically? Um, and I think honestly, the most succinct way for me to explain this and the way that I was able to see this in my life is probably my personal experience um, is I was someone who didn't grow up in the church and in faith. And when I started to follow Jesus, when I put my faith and my hope in Jesus, um, I was assured in the fact that I was saved by God. I knew that my eternity was secure because of what he did for me. 
This is absolutely true and an incredibly important part of our faith in the work of Christ. But this is just a piece of what God has done and is doing. Yes, we have salvation in Christ, but there is much more that we have in him. And when I was first putting my faith in God, when I first became to know God and, and trust him, um, that was kind of just what my all in all was. Um, and for a lot of us, that's probably the case, is that we think or we put in the hope that we're saved by God. And that's absolutely true and incredible. Um, and we look toward this, okay, well, at the end of my life, now I have this. So I have that, and that's all figured out, and now I just got to work my way through life. But we have so much more in Christ here and now, and ultimately what we will have in Christ is much more than just that, though that is such an amazing part of that. In Christ, we are redeemed. We are ransomed, adopted, saved, sanctified, glorified, satisfied, sustained, equipped, filled, and much more than that. The good news of Jesus Christ, as Jeremy said recently, is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. Though, yes, you wouldn't go to hell when you put our life in Christ. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that in it, we have everything that we could ever hope for and ask for in this life and the life to come. God does not just save us and secure us for eternity, though he does, again, certainly do that. He also sustains us and satisfies us. He transforms us and makes us into people who seek to know and do his will. He changes our desires from things of this world to him. We have everything in Christ. Let's look at Galatians 2, 20. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, we are no longer who we once were. We are not the same, but rather now Christ lives in us. As Colossians 2.10, one of these passages that we looked at, um, says, we are filled in him, that we are filled in Christ. This life we now live, we live in faith in the one who in love gave up everything so that in him we could have everything. We are made new in Christ. This is true of all of us. Many of us may have grown up in the church. Some of us did not. I, I myself did not. Um, but for all of us, regardless of how we grew up, regardless of what we've done in our life, regardless of where we are at today or have been in our lives, it is only in Christ that we are redeemed and have hope. Only in Christ can we do this and have that through him. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 1 Peter 2.10 says that once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We all were help, hopeless and condemned, but in Christ we have been given new life. We were formerly not even a people, as 1 Peter says, but now through the mercy of God we are a people. This very life that we have is only through Christ. It is in Christ that we are alive. This again showing that all this life we have to live is to be in Christ, and that Christ in all is, is to be our all in all, our everything. We're going to look at Second Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 3. And it says, Second Peter 1, 3 says, His divine power has granted to, to us all, to all let me start over there. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And we're going to jump to one more passage here. First uh, Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. First Corinthians 1, 4 through 9 says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given, given you in Christ Jesus. 
that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So Second Peter tells us that we have all things we need for both life and godliness in Christ. And 1 Corinthians expands on this, that by the grace of God in knowing him, that we lack nothing. We lack nothing in the here and now. 1 Corinthians does not just say that we will in some day be perfected and lack nothing, but that, um, that right now in our current situation, as we wait for the coming of Christ, we lack nothing. Psalms 23.1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This being that because of who God is and what he has done in our lives, Um, he's changed our hearts and desires to bring us into not wanting or desiring more because in him we have all that we could need. So here we are as people of God that lack nothing and have everything in Christ. We are sustained by him who is faithful to see us through. For by grace you have been saved through faith in the one who is faithful in and through all things. Again, this is true in the here and now and something that will only be perfected more in eternity. We have everything in Christ. How different is this from the world we live in? and the people around us that, that look for and long for so many things and want to find so many things in this world where we as people in Christ can say that we have everything. Um, and we're going to look at some other verses that, that support and talk about this. But first off, um, comparing this to the world, that this is true and unfailing in a world that is fleeting and failing, uh, in a world where you can only have the appearance of obtaining, everything, obtaining anything. Uh, for in there, in this world, there's really nothing to gain. First John 2 does a great job showing us some of this. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. In Christ we truly have everything. And it is in everything that is imperishable and cannot be taken. For as we talked about last week, we are triumphant in Christ. By who we have victory over sin and death, nothing can come against us. Romans 8.37 says that we are in Christ Jesus more than conquerors. Honestly, when I think about being triumphant or victory or all of that, um, being a conqueror sounds great. Like that's that's a great place to be. Like if you're going to be in battle or if it's sports or if it's anything, like you want to conquer your opponent. Um, and the security and the level of guarantee in our victory in Christ is that we are more than conquerors, which I don't actually have a true understanding of what that looks like. That's like how the Seahawks beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl. Sorry, JT. Um, uh, but uh, that's like just absolutely destroying something, that our victory, our guarantee and victory in Christ is more than conquerors, that we don't just have a victory. We don't just, oh, just slide in there, just barely make it, but that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And Jesus, I think... Um, throughout his ministry in ways that he taught, tried to make this abundantly clear. Um, Obviously that that big picture there and that idea of this, but I think he also gives us practical ways that we can look at this. John 6.35, I think, gives us a great picture of how Jesus, by talking about our most basic needs, shows us the way that he is with us and for us and gives us victory. Uh, John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Of course, we do actually still eat and drink. I would recommend you still do that after reading that verse. But this speaks so well to the heart of Jesus that he is in and aware of every aspect of our lives. 
Just as we have hunger and thirst, we so often in this life are longing, yearning, desiring something or things or certain feelings. These yearnings and longings can ultimately be satisfied only in Christ. Let's look at Jeremiah 2, 12 through 13. Jeremiah writing this, um, the Lord speaking um, through Jeremiah the prophet, we see here in, in verse 12 through 13. <coughs> it says, Be appalled, O heavens, at this be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Looking at this Jeremiah passage, the Lord declares that the heavens are to be appalled, shocked, and desolate because of the choice of the people. For they have forsaken God, the fountain of living water, and have tried to manufacture under their own strength, their own cisterns, and this which they have made are broken and incapable of holding any water. And let's try to capture some idea of this imagery because I think it's a beautiful imagery. Um, and I have an example. It's not a great example compared to the living water of Jesus Christ, so I'm going to do what I can here. But this is like taking a lifetime supply of bottled water. See, it's not a great image, but a lifetime supply of bottled water, or for eco-friendly, I don't know, like a lifetime supply of Brita filters, if those are eco-friendly, I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, bottled water, and trading it in for a cup with a hole in it and saying, you know what, I'll just get tap water and drink it out of this cup. Like, that doesn't make sense, right? Um, I thought about, like, acting that out and, like, showing you how obvious that wouldn't work. Uh, but there's a lot of electronics up here, and um, we'll save that for another time. But uh, really, this is what we have in Jeremiah 2, is this idea that, again, oversimplified in bottled water. But we see here in Jeremiah that the heavens and God himself are appalled. They're shocked. They're utterly desolate because what they have in God, what they have in Christ, is a fountain of living water, Water that will never run dry. Water that will never end for them. And what they say and what they do is they desire and they say, you know what? I don't need that living water. I can just make my own cistern and I'll put water in there and I'll be fine. Um, so one, in their own might, they go and they try to do something on, on of their own rather than trusting in what God has for them. Two then, what they can make and create on their own is broken and useless. Um, and how, how related to that can, can our lives be sometimes? That we know what we have in Christ, that in moments— and in times in our life, even though we know or have accepted Christ, that we say, you know what? I know that God's doing these things, working these things out, but maybe I have to figure this out on my own. I'm going to try to figure this out. I'm going to make something. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I try to do this, um, it's a lot like the cisterns that uh, are being talked about in Jeremiah. Um, they're nothing near what I can have when I put my trust in, my hope in, and allow God to lead my way in my life and my steps. I, I make something broken. I make something that, as it says here, cannot even hold water let alone the living water that we have in Christ. Unlike when we feed our hunger or quench our thirst, the satisfaction and sustainment of Jesus is not a temporary solution to an ongoing situation. In Jesus, we have a once and for all that we shall not hunger or thirst for things of this world and this life. He is the bread of life, and he is a well that will never run dry. Do we actually know this? We can read over this in Scripture and proclaim Jesus is Lord, but we all have momentary lapses. We all try to make our own cisterns and try to fill them up and figure out a way in this life in certain times or things or seasons. We get caught up in things of this world. We must constantly and continually reorient ourselves back to Jesus, to Christ, and surround ourselves with people in our lives that will remind us and direct us back to Jesus and point us to Jesus. Knowing Christ and knowing that in Christ we have everything is not just a one-time event. We have a time or moment in which we put our trust in God and our old life is taken away and we have new life 
in our faith in Jesus, and we were justified and saved, yet there's an ongoing sanctification we go through in which we grow and continually pursue knowing Christ. That we must continually grow in this. And again, that ongoing sanctification is such an important part of our lives. But trusting in him and seeing him and having people and, um, and things in our life, looking to his word and looking towards community to help remind us and point us back when we try to make these cisterns on our own to find our own way rather than trusting in the living waters that we have in Christ. Do we actually know this? Not only knowing this is true, do we live this way? Do we live as if we have everything in Christ? And this is difficult in this life, but also something that over time we can grow in. And part of our sanctification, we come to better see and understand who Christ is and all that we have in him. And as we do that, we find this freedom in knowing uh, the true life that we have in Christ. I think Philippians 4 paints a great picture of this in a passage that is often quoted, but sometimes I think misunderstood or, or misused in its delivery. So we're going to look at Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says this. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We've all heard that verse before. Um, We've all heard someone say that after they win a football game um, or something like that, Um, which is true, and we should commend God in those moments. Um, But when we look at the context of this, Paul in Philippians declares that he can do all things through Christ. When we dig in and look at the understanding of this passage, we see that Paul is saying that he can do all things because of his relationship and union into Christ. That he has found himself in Christ and he has found a contentment in which whether he is being brought low or he is abounding, in which he is hungry or which he has plenty, he is content in all things because in all of these things he has Christ. It's not that he has everything or that because Christ with him will allow him to achieve and and conquer everything he ever wants to do and set out in his life, but because of his perspective, because of the lens at which he looks at life, um, as we see in Philippians 4, is that he knows he has so much. He has everything in Christ. Therefore, he can be content in all things. And with that, anything that comes against him, any situation or circumstance, Paul declares that he can overcome through Christ who strengthens me and who is going to be with me in life. We can only live this way when we absolutely know Christ and know that in him, despite our situations or circumstances, we can look beyond these things to Christ in which we have all we need and we could ever desire. Uh, Again, looking in Philippians chapter 1, we see Paul say this. Philippians 1, 21 through 24. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Paul demonstrates this perfectly in this verse here when he declares that, yes, there is value to his life as Christ works in and through him, producing fruit, but knowing that he has everything in Christ and will only and forever be fulfilled in him, he says that, he, that if he is to die, it would be gain. And to be with Christ is far better than to live this life. For Paul knows and believes that he truly has everything in Christ. So this is the lens in which I want to ask again. Do we know this? 
Do we believe this? And do we live this way? Can you say and look to Christ and say that in everything in this life can be taken and lost for all you need and desire in Christ in which you have everything so that if everything were lost, you would still have everything in him? As Philippians 3.8 says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And I want to end our series in the very way we began, going back to the beginning of the Colossians passion, passage, Colossians 2, 6-7, where it says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That by being rooted and built up in him, we now walk in Christ. This may be how the passage started, but when we continue to through the passage, we see more so the case for how we have been and are continually being rooted and built up in Christ and how we can now walk in him. That in Christ we have been filled. That in Christ we have been circumcised, being set apart as his. That we've been baptized in him. That our old selves have been buried with him. And we have now raised to him, in him, to new life. In Christ we have been forgiven. In Christ we have victory over the enemy that is Satan and that is that is sin, and death. So by all of this, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that has filled us, as we saw in Colossians 2.10, we move forward. We walk in Christ, knowing that we have everything in Christ Jesus. As we look back and think through this passage, we are to let this be the why, the purpose, and the motive in which we walk and live by. That in Christ, we find the truest meaning and purpose in life that we can have. The life we now live and walk in Christ as people who have been set apart by God, who holds together and sustains all things, the God that we walk in and, and we live this life in, again, is the God in Colossians 1 tells us that, that holds together and sustains all things. And as we think through all that we are going, all, all that we are in and through Christ, we now get to, as a church, really in this next season, move forward and beginning next week, we're going to start talking about practically how we are to live as people that are set to walk in Christ in their communities, in their neighborhoods, in this world, uh, in our workplaces, wherever that might be. We're going to look at this both practically and continue to look to Christ, who in his great love and mercy shows us how we best live out and share the gospel in both word and deed. That just as Colossians has said, um, that people that have received Christ, we now walk in him. So again, next week, we're going to start a series. It's going to be called For King and Kingdom, um, which is going to be a really cool time. We're going to take a break from Colossians, again, part of our 2025 plan. Um, but um, we're going to take a break from Colossians. We're going to spend a couple weeks looking at this idea for king and kingdom, um, really talking about what it is for us to live. And really, that is what we live for, is for king and kingdom, that we live to glorify God, our king. We live to glorify him and to lift him up, to praise him, to worship him, to know him, to see him, to understand him. And that we live for kingdom, that we live for, for a God whose kingdom is coming here and now and a God whose kingdom will ultimately be fulfilled. So how do we as people both know our king and seek him and grow in him, as well as be part of God's work in our communities, in our lives, and in our world, that his kingdom may come here on earth as it is in heaven. And as we get ready to start this new series next week, I would encourage you to think and reflect on all that you have in Christ. Um, because when we see and know and understand what we have in Christ, it's how we truly can live out this for king and kingdom idea. And again, we'll, we'll be continually coming back to this and talking about this as we practically look at how we do this in our lives and in our community. But we look back to this idea that in Christ and this idea that we really have all things and we lack nothing in him, we have everything. And we let this be the heart we take into our next series as we talk about how we, 
as the previously hopeless, those who were dead in our sin, those who had nothing to gain in this world, now walk in Christ as ambassadors of hope. Um, here in a moment, we're going to get to take communion. And this is an opportunity to remember that, yes, we have everything we could ever need or desire in Christ, but this came at a great cost, that Jesus gave up everything so that in him we would have everything. For this life that we now have, <clears throat> new life with God, came only through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Again, in a moment, when worship starts, we'll, we'll have an opportunity to take communion. And again, we just get to remember what, what God did for us. And, and yes, we have everything in Christ. There's much to be celebrated because of that. Um, but that everything came at a cost. Um, and it came at the cost of, of God giving up everything in his son Jesus, that he humbled himself as a servant, as a man, uh, that he endured this life, that he endured trial and pain and temptation, that he ultimately took on death and sin, not only on himself, but the death and sin that we all were due because of what we had done apart from God. And that's what we get to remember today and celebrate because of now what we have in union to Christ. Uh, so as we close up, again, there's so much that we have in Christ. We've talked about that we're rooted and built up in Christ, that we walk in Christ, that we are circumcised in Christ, that we are baptized in Christ, that again, buried with him and raised in him, that we are alive in Christ, that we are forgiven in Christ, that we are triumphant in Christ, that we are more than conquerors, as Romans 8 says. We really have this incredible picture of who God is and what he has done, and that we have everything in him. Again, that we are redeemed, ransomed, adopted, saved, sanctified, glorified, satisfied, sustained, equipped, filled, encouraged, loved by who we are, are in Christ Jesus, and that we have everything in him. So that's, again, the lens in which we get to look through this passage, the lens in which we get to walk into this next series, and the lens in which we really live our lives by, day by day. But again, I would encourage you to think through this. Look through the different ideas that we've talked about. Um, what I've found in my life is that often in seasons that we need memories of and reminders of, of what we have in Christ. Um, it's easy to say, okay, you know, I'll get up this morning. I have everything in Christ. I have everything in Christ, and that's okay. I'll just get everything, and that would be great. Um, but what's been great about this series is walking through these different parts of, of we get to walk in Christ, that we get to be filled in Christ, that we get to have victory in Christ, is that what Scripture does is it doesn't just say, okay, you have everything in Christ, don't worry about it. But as we got to drill through and talk through these different ideas, and there's so much more that is encompassed in Scripture, is that by day by day, there's different things and aspects of what God has for us that we can remind ourselves that in Christ we have those things that we've talked about that, that maybe there's that day where you just need to know and look to, you know what, in Jesus, I know that I have the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead that walks in, me, that, that lives in me, and now I walk my life through that. Um, there's some days where you just need to know that I have that victory in Jesus, that it doesn't feel like there's any way out of this, like this, I'm getting beat up, and there's so much going on, and I don't know what I have, but we know that ultimately we have this victory in Christ, that again and again, God has everything for us, and really in that everything, obviously, practically speaking, is hard to see, um, but when you look to his scripture, that in every need, in every moment, in every situation, that there is something that God has there for you, that we have everything in him and who he is and what he has for us. Um, so take that with you as you go and remind yourself of that day in and day out. Look into his word and his scripture to find it is what you may need in a season because he is the living water. He is the, the bread of life and he is the well that never runs dry. We have everything in Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, I, we, we really don't even know how to thank you. Um, so often in this life, um, 
we can just get a little something. Someone can give us uh, something that can probably be meaningless and um, and vain. Um, and just a small gift or, or a small token of appreciation can be so meaningful, God. Um, and it can be hard to thank someone for that properly or, or to celebrate even the littlest things in this life, God, because of how gracious and loving people can be. Um, but how so much more, God, do we thank you for giving us everything? That you've given us yourself in Jesus. You've given us yourself in a spirit that fills us and it dwells in us, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. That in you we truly have everything, God. Um, and as much as we may want to or think to or, or look to find a way to honor you because of that, and we certainly should live our lives according to that, God, um, you ask nothing in return. You've given us everything because you love us. You've given us everything because that's your heart's desire that we might know you and see you and be with you forever, God. God, we thank you for that, God. You are so gracious. You are so merciful to us, God. Help us to see and know and remember that in every season, in every situation, every circumstance, we can be content, uh, not because we have everything in the way that we might want or think or, or hope it would play out, God, but because we have everything in you that regardless of if we abound or if we uh, are low, that we have everything in you and we can do all things through you who gives us strength and through you who gives us the desires and heart to know that regardless of situation and circumstance, we have everything. We have everything in you, Christ. We thank you for this. Put this in our hearts and our minds, God, um, today and in day in and day out as we look through and read through your scripture, God, that we might know and see the full picture of who you are, which is truly everything, God, everything for us and that that. This is all about Jesus. This is all about you and what you've done for us, God. We thank you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen.